Our text today is in Mark's Gospel, chapter number 5. Mark's Gospel, chapter number 5, as we consider the stories of Jesus and what happened to Jesus and what he said about it. As we learn more about him, it helps us that we think about him just right. So Mark chapter 5 for our text again in the stories of Jesus Christ. Lately we've been going through boxes of old papers that belonged to my father. And the other day my wife came up to me with a very sad face. And she said, this is a horrible letter. It's accusing your father of being cruel and mean and asking for help and getting away from cruel, mean Mr. Olson. Well, I took the letter and I read it and I started laughing. I said, it's just Kazuki. It's just Kazuki. Kazuki was a man who worked for my father on the farm many years ago. After World War II, there were many what was called displaced persons in Europe, that is, people whose homes and farms had been destroyed during the war. And so they became homeless refugees. And churches in Europe and in America organized to help bring these displaced people to America. And you had to agree to sponsor these people and take them into your home and find work for them. So my father signed up to take in one of those people. And it was a man named Kazuki. He was sent to my father to work on his farm. Old Kazuki was not a nice man. (laughs) When they sat down to eat dinner, he would say, you expect me to eat this pig slop? (laughs) It was the same food everybody else was eating. Of course, he called it pig slop. After he'd filled his plate with pig slop, uh, he'd turn his chair around and eat with his back to the table. So he didn't have to look at anybody. <laughs> he was quite a fella, Kazuki. He was a chain smoker and a very difficult fella to get along with. And so the relatives and all the local farmers got to know old Kazuki as a bad-tempered man who worked for Mr. Olson. When I was a boy, I used to buy candy cigarettes at the store for one cent. I don't know, maybe you remember them. One day I was pretending to puff on a candy cigarette. My father started to laugh and laugh. He said, you look like Kazuki. (laughs) Puffing on that little cigarette. And so for a long time, he'd have me show my little trick to all the relatives when they came. He'd say, hey, show them Kazuki. (laughs) Everybody laughed, especially Uncle Ed. He said, he does look like Kazuki. Well, Kazuki had written a letter complaining about my father, which we found in the old papers, to the church organization that helped him to come to America. Sometimes bad-mannered people get a reputation for their miserable behavior. And everyone knows them for their bad ways, the ways that they behave. Kazuki was known by that old farm community back there for his bad behavior. That's why I laughed when I read the letters. Just Kazuki. Our text today, we meet another person made famous for bad behavior. 
It's one of the most unusual stories ever told about Jesus of Nazareth. And because of its bizarre twists and turns, we'll take a few moments to try to explain some of the unusual circumstances that surround this fascinating story. Now last week, you remember, we were with Jesus in a boat on the Sea of Galilee, and a violent storm rose up, and he stood up in the boat, spoke to the wind and the waves, and said, Peace be still, and a great calm came over the sea. You remember that, all right? Now, immediately after the storm is over, uh, they row their boat to the east side of the Sea of Galilee. On the west side, where they had come from, was uh, where the Jews who lived in towns and cities and, and villages called Galilee. But on the other side of the lake were people who were not Jewish. They lived in a place called Gadara. Mixed breeds of people with no connection to the Jews on the other side of the lake. So we begin the story as the boat is gliding slowly into shore with Jesus in the boat in the wee hours of the morning. Mark's Gospel, chapter number 5, begin reading at verse 1. They came over to the other side of the sea into the country of the Gadarenes. And when he was come out of the ship, that's Jesus, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit, who had his dwelling among the tombs, and no man could bind him, no, not with chains, because that he had been often bound with fetters and chains, and the chains had been plucked asunder by him, and the fetters broken in pieces, neither could any man tame him. And always night and day he was in the mountains and tombs, crying and cutting himself with stones. And when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshipped him and cried with a loud voice, saying, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of the Most High God? I adjure thee by God that thou torment me not. On the west side of the Sea of Galilee, there are cliffs, very high cliffs right down to the water. And uh, limestone caves are in those cliffs. And the locals used the caves in the limestone as a graveyard. And just as the boat lands, and Jesus is stepping out of the boat, uh, you look and you see this wild-looking man come running down out of the graveyard towards the boat. And to the locals in Gadaria, this wild man was infamous that he was well-known and had a bad reputation. They had tried to capture him and restrain him with manacles and chains. But he, with, with almost superhuman strength, pull the links open on the chains and throw them aside, pry off the manacles with his bare hands, and run off back into the graveyard. He would howl out, it says, and cry out, and he'd take sharp stones and cut his arms and cut his legs with stones, crying in the night. It was a very ex scary experience to see him and to hear him howling in the night. The reason given for this bizarre behavior is that it says he was possessed with unclean spirits 
or as we call it, demon-possessed. Now let me step away from the text for just a moment and explain a little bit about demon possession. Before God created this world as we know it, there were angels and seraphims and cherubims and all sorts of creatures who were in heaven created by God to serve him and love him. And we know from the Bible that Lucifer, that we now call Satan, rebelled against God, and other angels joined that rebellion. And God tossed them all out of heaven in one swoop, and they became what we call fallen angels. And among those fallen creatures were spirits. We call them demons. And they had the ability to move into humans and control their actions. Now you don't need to worry. You won't become demon-possessed walking down the street or sitting in your house. A human who looks into these demons and tries to contact them like in a seance or becomes fascinated with black arts and spiritual evil, they open themselves up to demon possession. So just steer clear Avoid contact, you'll be all right. But some people are deceived and curious and open themselves up to possession. They cooperate with evil, and then evil takes over. Demons like to use humans to experience things. Now, they are spirits with no bodies, and so in order to feel something, they have to have a body. So the demon urges the man in the tomb to cut himself. And the demon uses the voice of the human. And he can feel the cut. The demon feels it through the human body. And he can use the voice and speak if he chooses. In this case, this particular case, he supplies the human that he has possessed with super strength so that he can break chains. Now, the demons know who Jesus is. They know, first of all, Jesus is the Son of God. And secondly, that in the future, they will be punished. They will be sent to eternal punishment to be tormented forever and ever. There is no redemption for these spirits. Unlike humans who have a Savior and can be saved, that's not true with these people, these demons. They will be sent straight to an everlasting punishment. So the man in the graveyard among the tombs sees Jesus. The demons recognize him as Jesus and go running to him. It says that they worship, or basically the man possessed by a demon, falls on his knees. And then the demons say, through the man's voice, Why did you come, Son of God, to torment me? And actually what they say is to torment me ahead of time. They know they will be cast into an eternal judgment on judgment day. And they asked Jesus, are you here to torment us today, before the appointed time? Jesus makes an answer in verse number 8. For he said unto him, come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. And he asked him, what is thy name? 
And he answered, saying, My name is Legion, for we are many. And he besought him much that he would not send him out of the country. Now first, I will not allow you, says Jesus, to stay in this human. You come out of him. And then, mainly I think for our sakes, and for people who would read the Bible, Jesus asked the question, what's your name? Not that that matters. It doesn't matter what his name is. But he replies, legion. For we are many. Not just one demon in the man, but many demons. Which is no doubt the reason for his superhuman strength. Jesus himself explained, one demon may find entrance into a human and then go on and gather more demons and come back so that the last state, filled with multiple demons, is much more dangerous than just the one. The Bible says that Jesus cast seven demons out of Mary Magdalene. And you know that Mary Magdalene was one of the, uh, Jesus' most closest followers. So this man in the graveyard has many demons in him, which accounts for his bizarre behavior Jesus has commanded the demons to leave. So they beg, don't send us away, basically, to the abyss. Don't send us before our time comes when you're going to punish us. And they ask Jesus a question, verse number 11. Now there was nigh unto the mountains a great herd of swine feeding. And all the devils besought him, saying, Send us into the swine, that we may enter into them. And forthwith Jesus gave them leave, and the unclean spirits went out, entered into the swine. The herd ran violently down a steep place into the sea. They were about 2,000 and were choked in the sea. And they that fed the swine fled, told it in the city and the country. They went out to see what it was that was done. So Jesus gives them permission. You can enter the pigs. They want to be in some sort of body, even if it's a pig. But the pigs, right away, think, we don't want this inside of us. Sometimes pigs are smarter than people, right? We don't want this inside of us. And they squeal loudly, and the whole herd runs in hysteria right over the cliffs, which are quite high, and drop down into the Sea of Galilee and drown. Now, the men who heard the pigs saw this spectacular sight, and they run to town to tell. 2,000 pigs just ran over the cliff and drowned in the Sea of Galilee. What happens next, my friends, is the real lesson in the story. It's not so much a story of demon possession. It's a story of human behavior. So watch carefully. You're going to seldom see anything quite like this. Verse 15. They come to Jesus and see him that was possessed with the devil, had the legion, sitting and clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. When they saw it, they told them how it befell him that was possessed by the devil, and also concerning the swine. And they began to pray him to depart out of their coast. 
And when he was come to the ship, he that had been possessed with the devil prayed him that he might be with him. Now first take note of this very illogical response. Everybody knows this crazy man who lives in the tomb. Man, everybody knows far and wide his reputation. They are completely aware that they had no ability to control him. Not even with chains and fetters. And they even feared him. But now there he is. He's sitting at Jesus' feet, all normal and in his right mind. Whatever powers used to control the wild man in the tombs has been removed from him, and this man is now normal. Therefore, one could only conclude the man by the boat standing there has greater power than all the evil powers that had driven the tomb man to madness. That's clear to see. The illogical part is the next phrase. It says they were afraid. Wait a minute. The crazy tomb man is delivered. And he's healed. And he's restored. And he's normal. That's good news, isn't it? That's good news. The man is no longer a threat. He's no longer dangerous. The man who came in the boat over had the power to do good and has done a wonderful job in it. And the crazy man sits normal and just right. But no, says they're afraid. They see him and they're afraid. Now, <clears throat> the crazy man ran out to the boat and talked to the man. In the boat. And the people who watch the pigs are telling the story now. Uh, this crazy man ran out and he talked to that man that stepped out of the boat. Jesus sent the evil spirit into the pigs. And suddenly the pigs went wild and all ran over the cliff. All 2,000 of them. And their response is they turn to Jesus and they say, Please, we want you to leave. Please, leave us alone. As Jesus moved towards the boat, to get in the boat, there's that formerly demon-possessed man, and he says, please, Jesus, take me with you. I want to go with you in the boat. Two prayers, right? One from his enemy. One from his friends. Moments apart. Townspeople pray, please leave us alone. And the formerly demon-possessed man prays, please take me with you. And strangely enough, Jesus answers the prayers of his enemy and refuses the prayer of his friends. And we're left with so many questions. 
Why did they want Jesus to leave? Why were they afraid? Why did he leave? And why did the man want to go with Jesus? And why did Jesus refuse him? There's so many questions to answer. So we take one at a time. Why did they want Jesus to leave? They saw the miracle of the demon-possessed man sitting in his right mind, which is said made them afraid. Now, was it the pigs? 2,000 of them now floating in the water. 2,000 pigs is a significant loss. Right, Kenny? If you lost 2,000, that's significant. That's what I always thought. They didn't want. They said, now we can't. That's a lot of money. It's an extreme loss, it's an economic blow. So, was it maybe Jesus leave? We can't afford any of your help anymore. Well, maybe. But that doesn't explain why they're afraid of Jesus. What is there about those pigs other than the money? Well, Jesus was Jewish, and to them he was a Jewish prophet, and the Jews had no pigs. None. They never ate or owned a pig. Pigs were considered unclean to the Jews. So did this Jewish prophet send the pigs over a cliff as punishment? Was this Jewish prophet enforcing his Jewish laws and punishing us for having pigs? If so, how's he going to treat us? We don't keep Jewish law. Maybe he came to punish us. And we're afraid of what he'll do to us. Maybe, maybe, let's go just a little bit further, shall we? We've got a guilty conscience. And we feel as if we've done some wrong thing. And we really don't want Jesus here to expose our faults. There you go. Now you got it. Jesus makes them uncomfortable. Jesus has power over dark forces. He can command evil to go. He can certainly see inside of us and know what's in our hearts. No, we don't want Jesus getting in us and disturbing our lives. It's best if he just goes away. So please go, leave us alone. And amazingly enough, he's walking towards a boat to get in a boat. He appears that he's going to do what they ask. Just before he gets in the boat, this poor wild man of the tombs, now free and normal, asks Jesus, please take me with you. Verse 19, Howbeit Jesus suffered him not. Jesus said, no, you can't go with me. This is confusing, right? This is confusing. The people who reject Jesus get their prayers answered. He's getting in the boat to leave. 
the formerly demon-possessed man asks, take me with you. And Jesus says, no, you can't go. And by all appearances, he's answering the people's prayer and denying the poor man's prayer. Not quite. (laughs) Not quite. Watch this, verse 19. Albeit Jesus suffered not, but said unto him, go home to your friends. Tell them how great things the Lord has done for thee and has had compassion on thee. And he departed and began to publish in Decapolis how great things Jesus had done for him. And all men did marvel. Maybe things aren't quite the way they appear. Maybe Jesus has another plan. An entirely different plan. These people reject Jesus. He's a threat to them. Uh, he would make them feel uneasy and uncomfortable. But maybe there's another way. There's a man here. He's their neighbor. Used to be a threat. Used to be dangerous. Used to live in the tombs. But now he's quite harmless. He's even pleasant. (laughs) His old reputation will ever be remembered. Oh, what a stark contrast he now presents. He's friendly. He's reasonable. He's even pleasant. You can talk to him. Remember that crazy man? We couldn't even put a chain on him. You should see him now. You can talk to him. Go up and talk to him. And he sure says good things about Jesus of Nazareth. And he explains the torment and the torture of his life while he was living in the tombs. And now he tells of the power of a Savior who freed him from his bondage. And he sure makes you stop and think, maybe we shouldn't have sent Jesus away. Oh, my friends, Jesus knows what he's doing. (laughs) When he refuses to take the man with him, he's teaching us and that man. It's wonderful to sit at Jesus' feet, yes, and hear the sermon and learn and grow. But now how much more exciting it is to go and tell someone else until they become followers in Jesus. So serve Jesus, spread the honors of his name, talk about it. It was Jesus' compassion that made him get in the boat and leave. He longed to reach those people to show his love to them, but they had so many wrong ideas, so many cultural problems, the pigs and the money and the Jewish prejudice. And none of those things would matter, though, if they heard the love of Jesus from a man who used to live in their graveyard. My friends, Jesus has work for us to do That only you can do. He'd rather see you at work than have you sit at his feet and take it in all for yourself. Jesus left Gadara because he loved them and planned a different course of action. He would take one of their own, send them right into the center of activity with a message. Look at me. Look at me. You know me. Look at me. And see what Jesus can do for your soul. You see, my friends, Jesus is not hindered when we pray for the wrong things. 
He's got other ways to get his work done. So you pray, yes, and you ask. But if Jesus says to you, go home, do it. Can you imagine what it was like when he walked into the door of his own home? His wife, his children, his mom and dad, the shock of it, And the joy of it and the amazing story they heard about what happened and no doubt for joy all those people went out and told the story again to their friends. With eyes full of tears, hearts full of praise they told the story over and over until Jesus had a brand new church in Gadara. His pastor, the crazy man, used to live in the tomb. <laughs> I, I like that. I like that. Congregation, the joyful people who loved what Jesus did that day on the shore of the seas of Galilee. I'm glad Jesus answers prayers the way he does. You may be one of those people who say, I don't want Jesus to disturb my life. I don't want Jesus interfering with my plan, so you shut the door. But Jesus has another way to get to you. He won't give up on you. He intends to call you in spite of your fears and your cultural confusion and your prejudices. He has a way of getting the truth into your heart. I'm glad Jesus knows what prayers to answer And I'm glad he doesn't give up on us, even if we close the door. So my friends, why not open the door? If you've asked Jesus to leave, why not invite him back? He can do great things for your soul. And if you've been helped by Jesus, then go spread the word. Tell what great things Jesus has done, as Jesus said, and has had compassion on you. May God bless you as you respond to his call. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the story of Jesus, how it gets down inside of us, how it opens us up to new possibilities. So we ask for your wisdom to answer our prayers just the way they should, and your own heart to guide and to call us to you. We want to respond to you and not tell you to go away and leave, but say, come, please. We open the door. Come in. Bless us, Lord, and help us not to be afraid of Jesus, who's so good to us. We ask your help in all these things. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. In closing, I can turn your hymn books with you, if you will. Hymn number 287. We are climbing Jacob's Ladder.
Lord, we thank you for your word this day. We thank you for this man who lived amongst the tombs, who had let so many things into his life. And we thank you especially that you could free him. We thank you for the freedom that we have if we only ask for help and for forgiveness from you. We pray that when we receive that freedom, that we would be used by you. Help us, if we love you, to serve you, Lord. We are grateful for the things you have done in our lives and grateful especially that you bring back your own, that you take us and you free us and forgive us. Lord, we ask that we would be missionaries, examples to those around us, go back to our homes and wherever we are amongst our lives and tell others and live in such a way that it would be glory for you and that those would see that Jesus is that great, wonderful, powerful, mighty God and that he can help them too. We thank you for those things. We ask for protection on all these folks. Bring them back to this place. Watch over them, we pray in your name.